You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Welcome in, folks, here for another episode on Big Blue Views Audio Network. Today, we will be previewing Giants training camp, which is set to start with the veterans reporting on Tuesday, the 27th of August, which is going to be today when you're listening into this specific episode. I'm Joe DeLeon, joined by Chris Lump and Nick Filato. And as I said, we are going to provide our thoughts on some specific training camp battles and the latest buzz in terms of inactives placed on the pup list and some other various roster news that is going to be surrounding this Giants training camp, which is going to be so, so important heading into a year where a lot of guys are going to need to prove themselves. Folks, before we get into this, be sure to hit the subscribe button. Also, leave us a five-star review and head to BigBlueView.com for more Giants news and analysis. So the rookies have already reported on Saturday. As we all know, rookies come in early for training camp. And then, as I mentioned before, Tuesday is when the veterans report and things are starting to pick up for training camp across the league. The Giants getting ready to start this season. And we already have a handful of guys that are going to be inactive. Kadarius Tony placed on the reserve COVID list already which not a very good sign, not something you really want to see from your first-round pick. But we also have six additional players on the pup list. Saquon Barkley, not much of a surprise uh, with his knee ACL recovery. Matt Parrott coming back with a, uh, a back injury. He is going to be on the pup list. Jonathan Harrison, hamstring. Kyle Rudolph, foot. O'Shane Zimenez, hamstring. And then lastly, Aaron Robinson with a core injury. And it's kind of funny. I'm looking at this list here. And I would say most of these guys on this list are players that needed to come out firing on all cylinders because they're in some sort of competition for a starting spot or maybe even a roster spot. And like I'm looking directly at Paert and Zimenez and uh, Aaron Robinson, Jonathan Harrison, you can also argue maybe competing to, to contribute on that offensive line. And then Kyle Rudolph too. I don't know if it's 100% a foregone conclusion that he is tight end two. Maybe if some other guys step up, they could work themselves into that position. But all of these guys here on this list of this pup list, they're players that need to get back onto the field as soon as possible. Yeah, but I would say with the with the exception of Saquon, he's not in a battle for anything, really. Right. <laughs> yeah, the, the Giants have been pretty upfront. Saquon's been pretty upfront. They're going to take it as slow as they have to with him. And yeah, I just want to start off by, you know, 
remind everybody, be patient. Uh, an ACL, you know, not everybody is Adrian Peterson. In fact, I would argue that almost nobody is Adrian Peterson. Uh, the last time we saw a player try to follow the Adrian Peterson timeline back, it was Robert Griffin, and he just wound up with more knee problems. So I think Saquon is probably in the position right now where he almost needs to be held back for his own good. You know, we don't need to see him on the field in training camp to know what he is able to do in a football game. We need him to be actually at 100% when the ball is in his hands. But the other guys, yeah, you are absolutely right with Peart, Zimenez, Aaron Robinson, Kyle Rudolph, Harrison. Yeah. None of these guys, I, I think, are really key to the Giants, with, I think, the the possible exception of Matt Peart. But all of them are going to be fighting for playing time and potentially a shot at the starting lineup. And you know them not being on the field does open the door for some other guys, which is, I think, what we're going to talk about in the second half. Yeah, and it's those opportunities that could be seized by some of those other guys, including, you know, Darnay Holmes with Aaron Robinson, Nate Solder, possibly. What are we going to get out of him? But I want to just agree with your point, Chris, about Saquon Barkley. Let's just be patient with him. Hopefully he's ready for week one. I still think we're going to see uh, a lot more Devontae Booker probably early on in the season than we might like. And that's not necessarily a knock on Devontae Booker, but, you know, you put Devontae Booker and Saquon Barkley up next to each other. They're not exactly the same. Let's just be honest. And then <laughs> yeah. at as for Kyle Rudolph, if he is ready for week one, I, I kind of think he might have a bigger role than a lot of other Giants fans do. It's going to be all contingent on that health of that foot, obviously. But we brought this up before on the podcast. I do believe he's more of that traditional Y type of tight end. Now, he's not a dominating blocker, but I would say he's the best blocking tight end probably on this roster. And his receiving skills and his ability to run routes mesh so much better with what Jason Garrett wants to do and what Jason Garrett wants out of his tight end position than Evan Ingram, who's a little bit more of an athlete than he is a well-rounded tight end at this point. So I think getting a healthy Kyle Rudolph would definitely just help the offense as well. I don't think Evan Ingram is going away or anything like that. I still think he's going to be used. We all know Jason Garrett loves his 12 personnel packages, his 13 personnel packages. Hopefully he strays away from that a little bit more and we see a little bit more 11 now that the Giants have receivers like Kenny Galladay and Kadarius Toney. But still, I think seeing Kyle Rudolph in training camp is something that really interests me. I hope he can get off the pup and get there. But the Giants might be incredibly conservative and patient with him as well. I mean, they, they're a bit of a conservative and patient type of organization with these injuries. They don't want to rush these kind of guys back. And since this was an offseason injury that happened right after he or he had surgery, right after he signed that contract, I think, you know, we might not see him until the end of training camp either. Right. And Rudolph is a guy who's close to 32 years old. And you're talking about being patient, they probably are going to take their time with him because they're going to want more of a contribution in the season. How much do you really need a veteran to go out there and, and show you some stuff that you already basically know? The only thing that's going to be a hindrance for Rudolph is that he's not going to have as much time to get acclimated to a new playbook, a, a new scheme that he's going to be playing in here in New York. And you know that's something that I think is, is probably the most detrimental for Kyle Rudolph. Those other four guys that we mentioned they're in situations where they are trying to fight to prove that they belong on the field. We already know what Kyle Rudolph has done. We know what he's capable of. And you just talked about how his style of play is very different from Evan Ingram, and it could be a useful asset for this offense. I just think for you know that injury, that foot injury, that might take some time to fully heal for a 32-year-old, that is going to be the big hindrance for him is 
how much can he actually be ready to go at the start of the season with limited reps in learning a new playbook? You can only take so many mental reps before, you know, like the not being on the field catches up to you and actually getting to run those routes, uh, you know, take those reps, blocking on rush, running plays, all that stuff. He, he needs to get onto the field. And I think that that's an underrated thing that goes into this because we're talking so much about Saquon not being on the field. Kyle Rudolph is an underrated player that needs to get back out there. Absolutely. And I also want to just specify that last year, I believe it was Leonard Williams, he opened up on the pup heading into training camp with his back. And a lot of people were complaining about that. We all saw how that turned out. So none of these are death sentences. These guys can come back. It's not like they have to wait six weeks like they do in the regular season. So now we're kind of just in that wait and monitor type of mode. But I wanted to ask you guys, if you had one player on this list that you feel like him being on the list hurts him more than the other players... Who would that be? Because for me, I think it's Oshane Zimenez because we barely saw him last year in the new system with Patrick Graham and the Giants added a bunch of these edge guys. And if Oshane Zimenez cannot get to the field, he had the shoulder surgery, now he has a hamstring issue. If he cannot get on the field, uh, that might not be great for this guy. Yeah, absolutely. I I don't think we can go anywhere other than with Zimenez. Yeah, yeah. potentially Matt Parrott just with – uh, Nate Solder being there, you know, I think the Giants want Parrot on the field as their right tackle. He's a natural right tackle. That's the position he played at UConn. That's where his, you know, learning curve is the shortest. And you know, that's something Solder hasn't played. It's been a while since Andrew Thomas has played that. They really don't want to have to reshuffle their offensive line right off the bat again. But with you know, Zimenez, like you said, he ha- we haven't seen a whole lot of him. It's been a while since he has been on the field, and there is a lot more competition at that position now than there was last year. And he is a guy, like, he doesn't have elite measurables. He is a technician. He's a guy who wins with technique, hand usage, uh, angles, leverage, all of that, and just motor. And if he's fighting a hamstring injury, that's going to limit him compared to the other guys and if he can't get on the field that's just an opportunity for uh ellerson smith uh carter coughlin ifedi odeningbo ryan anderson all all these guys to jump ahead of him and push him off the end of the roster because right now that's what he could be looking at i i think that i'm in agreement with you guys with it's a it's a close tie between O'Shane Zimenez and Matt Parrott. I think Zimenez is probably a step ahead of Parrott in terms of being impacted the most. You hit the nail on the head, Nick. They have almost put the writing on the wall for Zimenez, and I guess you could say Lorenzo Carter as well, that these edge guys that have been around for a few years, drafted um, a few years ago, they need to step up. They spent the money. They brought in the free agents. Not a ton of money, but they brought in guys from the outside to compete for those roles. And it's either saying you guys are going to get diminished snaps or you're fighting for a roster spot right now. Zimenez is in a serious, serious uh, impact because he's not on the field. Other guys are getting the chance to prove themselves over Zimenez right now. And Parrot, I think, is very specific to what you were talking about, Chris, and in the sense that if he's not on the field, who's out there at right tackle? Is it going to be Nate Solder getting most of those reps until his back gets figured out? How bad is the back injury, too? I'm a, I'm a bit questioning because as an offensive lineman, when you're moving massive dudes every single day and you're on your knees and you are you know 
falling all, all over the ground. Having a back injury as an offensive lineman is probably one of the worst things that you can deal with except maybe a knee injury. So for him to be having that, that might take him a while to get onto the field. It might be something that nags him through training camp. This might be something where they tell him to take his time because they want him to start. And that's very similar in the longs, along the lines of, as I was saying with Kyle Rudolph, in a different light, that if he's not out there getting the reps, how prepared is he going to be for the start of the season? So I think both of those guys, it's, it's pretty close for hurting them the most for the start of training camp. I want to bring up Lorenzo Carter's name just because we touched on I, I feel like those two situations aren't similar, though, because Lorenzo Carter has the – and he's like 25 years old, but so is O'Shane. But I feel like Lorenzo Carter's potential is – far superior to what O'Shane Zimenez can offer you, who's more of a situational type of pass rusher. Lorenzo Carter can set a firm edge. He can really stop uh, pulling guards, backside guards, You know, use a squeeze technique, wrong arm technique if you want to teach him that way, dent technique if you want to teach him that, and just totally either spill outside, box inside. He's a really smart run defender. He's very physical. He has shown flashes of like I would say good flexibility, specifically in that Patriot game back in 2019. And he's always been a little bit raw with his pass rushing moves. But if he can develop that, I mean, he has a lot more potential to me than I believe Ocean Zimenez has. Yeah, and just to build off of that, within this defense, which asks all of its players to do so many different things, to wear so many different hats, because Patrick Graham loves to blitz and he loves for offenses to never be sure of of where the pressure is coming from. Yeah, Lorenzo Carter is good in space. He can get out and he can run with running backs. He can run with tight ends. He has that length and just that rare athleticism for the position. And he has a lot of experience as that Swiss Army knife defender where yeah, even if he never becomes the pass rusher his athletic tools say he could be, just his ability, as long as you know that he's able to come all the way back from that Achilles injury, just he's such a well-rounded athlete that he can do so much for this defense. And his ability to affect the run, I mean, it really it allows Patrick Graham to employ those mint type of nickel tight fronts. It's the similar type of defense that we see Georgia run a lot, which makes sense. Obviously, Aziz Ojolari, Lorenzo Carter, but having that strong edge defender who can spill everything outside along with a tight front that's going to spill everything outside. Good luck running in the A and B gaps against guys like Dexter Lawrence, Dalvin Tomlinson last year. That's why we saw Patrick Graham run so much mint. But Lorenzo Carter is a much better fit for that. He did it in college. He knows what to do than someone like O'Shane. All right, coming up, we're going to get into discussing four training camp battles. Now, not necessarily big, huge situational battles that are going to impact like the quarterback position, things like that, but some really underrated ones that will seriously have a, a huge, huge impact on how this roster will look and who will be starting come the beginning of the season. Before we get to that, though, we're going to take a really short commercial break. Vacations can be tricky. You already know how to book flights and hotels, but now the only thing you're missing is, you know, the actual travel experience. Because is it really a vacation if you're just sitting around like you would at home? You need a tool to get the most out of your time away. That's where Viator steps in. You can book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. 
Real Traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who already been on the experiences you're considering, so you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The first position battle that we want to bring up here is one that I think a lot of people might not really be considering to be a competition, and that's between Darnay Holmes and Aaron Robinson. Holmes, who had a a very strong first year with the Giants, a lot of people talked him up saying that he had an underrated season. There's been some outlets that have graded him very highly for his performance in his first year, but then the Giants go and draft Aaron Robinson, the corner out of UCF. And right now, it seems like both can play that same position on this defense, playing in the slot as a slot corner. And the debate now becomes, do you find ways to get both of them on the field, or will this be a straight-up competition for one guy to start and the other to take a secondary backseat role at this position and working in with the secondary? So guys, with Darnay Holmes and Aaron Robinson, How do you feel about this? Who do you think is going to be starting at this position, and who do you think wins the battle? We first need to see Aaron Robinson get to training camp, but again, that could happen really any time. It's just a core muscle. He's, I believe he's been dealing with it all offseason, so hopefully that happens soon and say that it does. I honestly think it's not a hot take to surmise that Aaron Robinson could, by the end of the year, earn more snaps than Darnay Holmes. But I don't know if that's just going to be based on slot coverage, because I think Darnay Holmes, you can move him outside if you need to. You can put him in the box a little bit more. He did that at UCF as that star type of player, hybrid safety, hybrid type of linebacker. He actually did that in college, even though he's technically a cornerback. He doesn't necessarily have the build, but in real passing situations, maybe you can use him in that type of alignment, which would lead to more snaps for him, because I feel like Darnay Holmes is only going to play slot and that's kind of where he's designed to play in terms of skill sets i mean they're both incredible athletes holmes is a five-star product out of california and robinson didn't have that kind of pedigree coming out of high school but he just balled out last year for ucf really cleaned up his tackling showed a better ability i would say in run support and even with shedding blocks and diagnosing all the mental skills that you need to play defense which is really really imperative in patrick graham's defense as well so i think it's going to be a uh, a good battle i'll say but uh at the end of the day i wouldn't be shocked if it is aaron robinson kind of getting a little bit more I-, I thought darnay holmes was fine last year but there were times where he was getting picked on a lot of the times it was more schematic than just necessarily skill set but there were extended plays specifically against seattle where i felt like darnay holmes lost his coverage assignment and it was tyler lockett or something like that and he just gets tunnel vision and that's something that can be corrected with more reps but if those mistakes persist i could see this coaching staff going and saying, okay, let's give Robinson a little bit more of a shot in the slot to see how that looks. And then they can use Holmes when they use Robinson in other roles. Yeah. And I, I think just to zoom out a little bit, how 
Patrick Graham deploys all of these defensive backs is going to be really interesting because they just added a Dory Jackson. They've still got Julian Love. They've got Logan Ryan. They've got uh, Jabril Peppers. They've got McKinney back there. Then we've got Darnay Holmes and Robinson and just so many options. And that, I think, just to talk about storylines we're going to watch and to link it to that aspect is going to be really interesting to me over the course of training camp and preseason preseason. Now with this battle in particular, I think it might come down to, again, assuming Robinson is able to get healthy quickly and the pup list is basically just to make sure he's healthy. If he's able to get on the field and get into this battle right away, I think it might come down to just what kinds of coverages Patrick Graham wants to play. You know, I I feel Robinson is a little bit more physical in his coverage than Darnay Holmes is, and he would be better for more man coverage assignments. And I get the feeling that that is something the Giants want to use a lot more of because they got in this trap, especially in the second half of last year, where they did all of these coverage rotations and they did a lot to disguise their coverages. But offenses eventually figured out that the Giants were probably going to be in a zone coverage of some kind. So they'd just program in zone beaters, and passing games were able to find open guys. Uh, The Cardinals did a lot of that. The Browns did a lot of that. We'll kind of leave the Ravens off to the side because, you know, they are a different problem altogether. But, you know, I really think the Giants want to be more aggressive in their coverage schemes than they were last year and that means i think a lot more man coverage uh cover one two man that sort of thing and i think robinson fits that just a little bit better than darnay holmes and that could be the deciding factor i agree with where you guys are coming from you know when talking about how these guys both fit into the defense is going to be a major factor and i've got an interesting angle for you guys and i'm here i'm curious on your thoughts one thing that is always super underrated with any rookie coming into the league is, you know, some are just ready to play up to the NFL speed and they process and understand things super quickly. But a lot of rookies take some time to adapt to the NFL game. And we saw that when last year there weren't really any pre or there weren't any preseason games, training camp was limited and there were some of these rookies that took a little bit of time to get going like Andrew Thomas. And I almost wonder if Aaron Robinson is off the field for training camp and misses not a significant amount of time, but if you miss a week of training camp and the guy you're competing with, Darnay Holmes, who's already been here for a season, like that's a week that he's got a leg up on you. You're playing catch up the whole time. You're trying to figure your stuff out. And it can be very frustrating mentally for a rookie in a situation like that. And so I almost wonder... If just for this first season, Darnay Holmes just wins based off the fact off the fact that he's been here, he knows everything, he's the most comfortable with how all the coverages work, and he's also on the field earlier than Robinson does, and then maybe next season is when we see that transition away from Darnay Holmes and more towards the direction of Robinson. Where do you what do you guys think about that? Oh, that can easily happen. And also, I don't think Chris and I are saying Darnay Holmes isn't going to win the job. It's just that. It's pre- it seems like it's presumed among a lot of Giants fans that he has it, and I don't think it's that 
that's necessarily exactly. the case. Yeah. I think he'd certainly win this job, Darnay Holmes. He has the skill set too, and everything you just said is valid too, Chris. So it's well within the possibility. Yeah, I think this is going to be just a really great battle, assuming Robinson is a- is able to get off the pup list and onto the field. Like we we don't really know how severe that core injury is. It could be just a minor nagging thing that just needs rest and rehab to get you know move past it and get on the field or it could be a little bit more significant we just sitting here we just don't know but i do think uh, darnay holmes's experience does give give him an inside track at least to start out with you know knowing how the coverages work knowing the language being spoken that is a real advantage especially mm-hmm when you have to get you know be up to speed right away because again you know this year they only have three preseason games you don't have the usual four because you know that fourth one has gone away and that is that's that's a disadvantage for both guys i think you know you don't have the opportunities for game situations for the rookies and you also don't have the opportunities for the guys really trying to claw their way up the depth chart especially in that really important fourth game so i i think it could go either way particularly at the beginning but by the end of the year you know i I think that's when we'll really be able to see what the giants are thinking going forward so let's get to this second training camp battle out of the four we're going to talk about this one between reggie Ragland, ragland and tay crowder to contribute at linebacker and this one intrigues me a ton guys because both have different play styles both are different types of linebackers you talk about ragland coming out of alabama he spent time with a few nfl teams and Tate Crowder, who has only been with the team for a year, but more of a coverage linebacker than Ragland is. So how do we feel about this one? Who do we think comes out as the leading man to play you know, in that linebacker role in the defense? It's funny because Ragland is not known for his coverage. And you're right, I think Tate Crowder may be more of a coverage linebacker, but I wouldn't classify Tate Crowder as a coverage linebacker because there were several times where he didn't get to the proper depth. He was high-load. It didn't seem like he had the situational awareness to realize that there was a backside crossing route behind him, and it led to huge gains for the opposing offense. We saw one to DeAndre Hopkins. That comes to mind. There was a couple, I think, in the Cleveland Browns game as well. So I think that's something that he can certainly improve upon. I think the Giants might want him to start and want him to win that position. But Raglan can easily take that because he is a veteran who has been around the league for a little bit. And I believe Raglan probably offers a little bit more in terms of playing the run and stopping the run and just thumping at the point of attack. Although I will say that week 17, we saw Tay Crowder do a really good job against the Dallas Cowboys in that regard. But Crowder could get, you know, the first kick at the can. And then we see him out there. He makes one or two mistakes in coverage, doesn't have that spatial awareness. And Joe Judge makes that switch, and we see Ragland. I think it could be very fickle like that. Yeah, that's kind of how I'm coming down on it as well. I I think uh, Crowder's again his experience in this defense, knowing the language, knowing you know pretty much what's going to happen. Although I, you talk about the similarities with the Georgia defense. The if it's similar to Georgia's defense, it's also going to have some similarities with Alabama's defense because well. Kirby Smart is another Nick Saban coach, and Reggie Ragland was coached by Nick Saban. I, I believe he was coached by Kirby Smart. I don't think Smart had left Alabama for Georgia yet. 
Uh, you might be right. I'm I'm going to check that. Yeah. Go ahead. He was drafted in 2016. <laughs> so I think there was some crossover there. Yeah. yeah. So th- both guys might actually, you know, the, now that we think about a check on it, you know, there might be a, a similar level of familiarity with the defense. But I do think Crowder's be, Crowder being a little bit rangier gives the Giants, you know, the Giants might lean a little bit more to that side, just based on how offenses in the NFL are going, the way they are weaponizing space, getting athletes in space, getting the the ball to them in catch and run opportunities, you know. I think the Giants want to have that Will linebacker there who can run with running backs, who can uh, you know occupy that those coverage zones, and you know assuming he to what Nick was talking about, he can execute them properly. You know, that is an advantage for the defense, but it's nice to have Reggie Ragland, Reggie Ragland there if Crowder does screw up a few too many times. Otherwise, you know, the Giants could be looking at Rankland as a backup for Blake Martinez at that inside linebacker spot, middle linebacker spot, you know, just in case something happens. Right. I'm in agreement with you here, Chris, that I feel that the ranginess that Tay Crowder provides, we saw some positive things from him last year, not a, you know, a perfect season, but for Mr. Irrelevant, he outplayed the expectation, I think, for that we had for Tay Crowder. We saw a lot of good stuff. I think that with that ranginess, the way that he plays, the you know the athletic traits that he has, he could be much better suited for this defense than Ragland. And maybe Ragland fits better into the equation as a rotational backup for Blake Martinez. And we did see instances last year where Martinez had to come out of games because of injuries and he wasn't able to contribute in the ways that the Giants needed him to. And we saw a a relative drop-off from linebacker play because of the massive lack of depth. So you have Ragland, who's a great guy to have as a backup to Martinez. I think that that might be where he's better suited in this defense. Honestly, and that's that's a good point about Blake Martinez because he was dinged up, but he would usually just come, come right back. Blake Martinez goes down this year and I know it's a linebacker position so like analytically it's not that important but if Martinez goes down this that the Giants could have a little bit of a problem on their hands despite the fact that they have a really strong secondary and a good front yeah well the so much of the Giants run defense is really built on funneling guys either forcing runs to spill outside where the mm-hmm. outside linebackers can catch them or you know force them to the sidelines or funneling guys right to that middle linebacker position where you know having a guy like Blake Martinez who is such a good and smart tackler who is always really good at you know filling the correct lane and getting his guy on the ground if you don't have somebody reliable there that is absolutely an issue you know and Martinez isn't the best coverage linebacker but what he brings in terms of football IQ and reliability playing downhill more than make up for that so our next training camp battle before we wrap up with our final one danny sheldon and austin johnson playing in the interior who's going to be playing that nose role within this defense if you remember last year austin johnson didn't get a ton of reps but made some pretty good plays when he was asked to step in uh, and rotate at that spot where dalvin tomlinson was playing and then they go and bring in a guy who is been a really, really underrated, strong contributor as a nose tackle for multiple defenses. Of course, he ends up within the Belichick tree, now under Aaron Judge. 
Where do we guys sit on this? I know it's funny. I spelled Austin Johnson's name wrong, <laughs> <laughs> but I spelled I spelled Fetty right. Uh, <laughs> so, guys, what do you think here? Yeah, exactly. I'm definitely leaving it. Oh, in. Of <laughs> okay. I'm taking pride in that. Uh, what do you guys think here? Danny Sheldon or Austin Johnson? Who do you think wins the spot? <laughs> For me, good job, Joe. For me, <laughs> I would say uh, it's going to be situational. Whenever they want to run those tight fronts, I think it's going to be Danny Shelton, which we know Patrick Graham loves to do on early downs. Danny Shelton is a um, big two-gapping I can just eat the A gap and control this center type of defensive lineman who is even bigger than Dexter Lawrence, which is hard to fathom, to be honest. <laughs> and I think Austin Johnson is just going to be a situational guy similar to B.J. Hill. He may spell Danny Shelton if Shelton is playing a lot of snaps, if they're, for whatever reason, running a lot more tight because of a matchup or an opponent that they feel like they should because that opponent loves to pound the rock up the middle. Then I feel like Austin Johnson will get on the field. But I think Austin Johnson is going to stay in a role somewhat similar but his snaps are probably going to increase because Shelton is not Dalvin Tomlinson. But I, I think Shelton's going to have his defined role as that nose. And Austin Johnson's going to kind of be worked here and there as a four-eye, as a three-technique. Sometimes, you know, sometimes passing situations, you put him as a three-technique or a two-eye in some, in some circumstances. Yeah, I, I actually think these guys could wind up with a pretty much even snap count split between them. Yeah. Kind of talk about a heavyweight battle. These are two pretty massive dudes, and they do play a very similar role. But you know, like like you said, Nick, I think Shelton will be locked in as that tight front nose tackle. You know, the guy who just controls the interior, the rock in the middle of the defense. And I think we could see a lot of that against uh, opponents that use a lot more spread conflict. Eh, spread concepts in their offense spread teams air raid teams they love to throw the ball outside and then use those inside zone you know running concepts and it, tight front absolutely eats those up and you need a good nose tackle to run the tight front austin johnson like you said he's a little bit more versatile he's i, I would say a little bit more athletic and i think he could be used maybe in a little in situations where you're never quite sure if there's going to be a pass or a run. He, I think he can be a little bit more disruptive behind the line of scrimmage. So if you're playing maybe like a four two four two five under front, uh, maybe just the uh, a normal base 3-4, not the tight front, just kind of a classic 3-4, I think that's when we're going to see more of Austin Johnson. And it really could come down to... Uh, the opponent and the matchup and the situation and maybe some teams that like uh the rams see maybe see a little bit more shelton and then maybe in against dallas we see a little bit more austin johnson just you know based on nothing just naming opponents off the top of my head but i think they could really could have maybe a draw as far as the camp battle goes and i'm sure that's part of the motivation for why they wanted to bring in Shelton is so that they could be versatile in their decision-making on who starts where. But I still lean a little bit more towards what Nick was talking about, that Shelton probably makes the most sense to get the most snaps. If we're talking about who's more naturally built to play that nose position and who's done it in a lot more of a contributing role throughout his career... I have to go with Danny Shelton. I mean, the guy's a good athlete. He's a massive dude. 
talking about a space eater, talking about a guy who can push the pile. He's probably not going to rack up an insane amount of stats, but if they're trying to replace Dalvin Tomlinson and what he did, they don't need somebody who's going to get tackles for losses and who is going to force fumbles. They just need somebody who is going to be a pain in the ass for the guards and the centers. And that's exactly what Danny Shelton is. He's just a big SOB that is going to play in there. And I think that that is really all you really need to win that job within this defense is just being a really, really big dude. And Shelton has that. There's a reason why he was a first-round pick. Someone who can anchor down and just eat, just not allow blocks to climb to the second level. And that makes Blake Martinez's job so much easier. It makes Tate Crowder, Reggie Ragland, whoever's playing that second linebacker spot. And Danny Shelton certainly has that ability. So last one, guys, before we wrap up today's show. And, you know, this one might not necessarily be a head-to-head competition. You can almost consider this to be just contributing edge rusher who wins the job but the two free agents that they brought in this offseason are ryan anderson and ifedi odeningbo both of those guys have had limited opportunities to really step into a starting role but now here they are with the giants they could work themselves into a high snap count position so if we're talking about these two incoming free agents with with a new team who do we think ends up being that takeover player? Who, who do we think ends up getting the most snaps? So I actually – so most snaps, I'm going to go with Odenabo. I think that these two are going to have somewhat different roles. I think Ryan Anderson is going to be somebody the Giants trust on early downs with those tight fronts. doesn't always have to be, but when they need the edge set, Ryan Anderson can do it. It's probably one of the best things he does in the NFL is sending the edge because he's not – overly athletic, strong at the point of attack, can lower a center of gravity, can deliver a nice strike, force everything inside or outside, depending on what you're trying to do, box or spill. And in terms of pass rushing, I don't really see it there. But Odenabo, he's somebody I feel like you can kick inside on pass rushing downs. You can also line him up off the edge. He has a relentless motor. His pass rushing moves are, I would say, solid. He has an array of pass rushing moves, has a solid inside spin move, heavy-handed type of guy. I think he just brings a different type of skill set and a little bit more to the table than a Ryan Anderson. But what Ryan Anderson does well is play the run. So I think both of them will have their roles if they both make the roster. Yeah, and I think that last point is really the the question here. I think more than any of these other roster battle battles, I think these two guys are in direct competition for a roster spot. In an ideal world, or you know, maybe a college-sized roster, both of them are on the team and they both have their roles and they can be, you know, subbed on and off the field freely and just, you know, whoever fits the situation best or wh- whoever is playing best gets the most snaps. But the NFL has a pretty limited roster size. And, you know, one of the things we've been coming up against in our position previews is just the numbers game. And I, I think, you know, based on the number of defensive backs, the Giants are likely going to have to carry the number of offensive linemen, pretty much any NFL team has to carry wide receivers. Uh, the Giants certainly love their tight ends. You, know, you have to, at some point, make some hard cuts somewhere. And I think this could be one of those hard cuts and you know what is more important for them the pass rush potential that a Fetty brings or run defense reliability from anderson i'm going to come down on the side of a Fetty. just make one clear decision i uh, i think 
not knowing what's going to happen with Lorenzo Carter, what's going to happen with O'Shane Zimenez, I think based on last year, one of the weaknesses of this defense was they're just generating a four-man pass rush. You know, when they could only send four guys and they needed to get the quarterback on the ground, they needed to get that quarterback disrupted, they struggled with it, which... Yeah, they had 40 sacks last year, but nobody outside of Leonard Williams had more than four. And they need guys with just a natural pass rush ability. And I think if Fetty brings more of that than Anderson does. Yeah, I think it's, you can boil it down to Odenabo is a better run defender than Anderson is a pass uh, a pass rusher. So if you break it down to that, I mean, it's like a lazy way to look at it. But I <laughs> do believe just overall, Odenabo is probably the more well-rounded player than Ryan Anderson at this point. Yeah, and I, I think that that's always going to be an easy way to pinpoint it. If just breaking it down to the simpler, um, you know, the, you know, the most simpler simple approach to when determining who might start at some of these spots or who makes the roster for this Giants team is who's the most well-rounded, who can do the most things. Is it better to have a guy who's really a lot better at one thing and a lot weaker than another? I think that maybe for Graham, it makes a lot more sense to go with Odenabo because like what you guys said, he's the more well-rounded player. And I would say also a lot of the Giants moves have seemed geared toward helping their pass rush, which is another storyline I'm kind of interested in watching over the course of camp and preseason. You know, Last year, they really needed their coverage to generate their pass rush. But this year, they go out, they draft Ojolari, they draft Ellerson Smith. They get these two free agents. They are hopefully getting Lorenzo Carter and O'Shane Zimnez back. You know, we'll see what happens with both of those guys. You know, they've also got Cam Brown, Carter Coughlin. They've got a whole bunch of bodies, which we went over in a lot more depth in our edge preview. It, they they can't want to really have to rely on their coverage to generate their pass rush again. They want to be in the position of sending waves of pass rushers after quarterbacks. I mean, that that's what pretty much every defense wants to be in the position of being able to do. Well, folks, I think that is going to be a great note to wrap up today's show. As you can see, a lot to consider when talking about this year's training camp for the New York Giants. We will continue to provide coverage as well as finishing up our positional previews throughout training camp and the preseason. Be sure, be sure to hit that subscribe button if you want to stay up to date. And then if you like listening to our show, please let us know with some positive feedback. Five stars would be much appreciated. Also head to BigBlueView.com and follow us on social media at BigBlueView on Twitter and Instagram. We'll talk to you soon, folks. Enjoy the rest of your week. Claude 3 from Anthropic is your one-stop shop for enterprise AI. With models at every point of the price-performance curve, you no longer have to make trade-offs between intelligence, speed, and cost. Claude 3 Opus sets new industry benchmarks for intelligence. Sonnet strikes the perfect balance between skill and speed. And Haiku is the fastest and lowest-cost model on the market, perfectly designed for high-volume, high-speed use cases. Join the thousands of enterprises who use Anthropic to navigate this new frontier. Visit anthropic.com slash Claude, C-L-A-U-D-E, today. Jumpstart your genius with Claude 3 by Anthropic. 
more to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.